Hello there. It's time for most things Kenobi. Shouldn't it be all things Kenobi? Hmm. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Lauren. And I'm your host, Leanne. And today we have a really cool subject. Very cool, very deep, a lot of layers to this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Doing the research for this got me very, very stoked about recording this episode. Yes, and that is the cave scene in Empire Strikes Back. And the, all the theories, all the thoughts, all the mystery behind what it means or what it could mean all the layers yes it's gonna be awesome um i also have to do a shout out for this episode to my dear friend elaine who asked me to explain this scene on my blog like two years ago and i never got around <laughs> nice to it. thanks elaine elaine i'm sorry this is all for you <laughs> this is the elaine correct yes the okay elaine. thanks mm-hmm. the elaine it's a good talking point <laughs> It is. It's awesome. So she she said she was kind of confused, like, why it's there, like, what it means. So this is going to be mm-hmm. really fun. Like, when I started researching it, because I did start researching it to write about it a long time ago, um, I found it's, like, very deliberately placed. It is exactly at the center point of the center film. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's almost pivotal. to the second. Yeah. Really? So, I didn't know it was timed that perfectly. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so it appears at one hour and three minutes, and then there's an hour and three minutes remaining on the film. Beautifully done. It's oh, crazy. George. It's really cool. Well done, George. <laughs> so the cave scene that we are referencing today in today's episode is in the second installment of the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back. My personal favorite, yours, right? Yes, Same. always. Mm-hmm. Always. <laughs> and Yoda prompts Luke to go into this mystical cave. Um, and once Luke is in there, he encounters a vision of Darth Vader who's coming towards him. Saber ignited. Luke ignites his saber and ends up chopping off Vader's head. And as the helmet rolls and comes to a stop, Luke sees himself his own face in Vader's helmet instead of, you know, Anakin or Darth Vader's face. So it's a very symbolic scene, and that's what we're going to discuss today is all of that, which I love symbolism and I love stuff like this. Yeah. And I don't know. There's a lot lot of layers. Yeah. So, like, it's very intentional. The scene is very intentional. And... I mean, it, it's, we could deep, deep dive into the symbolism right off the bat, or we can like kind of walk through it a bit. But like you said, you read something that George Lucas said specifically, right? He discussed the scene specifically. So yeah, George Lucas actually says on the Empire Strikes Back commentary track, George Lucas says, quote, part of the cave scene is learning about the force, learning the fact that the force is within you. And at the same time, you create your own bad vibes. So if you think badly about things, or you act badly, or you bring fear into a situation, you're going to have to defend yourself, or you're going to have to suffer the consequences of that. 
in this particular case, he, which is Luke, takes his sword in with him, which means he's going to have combat. He is creating the situation in his mind because on a larger level, what caused Darth Vader to become Darth Vader is the same thing that makes Luke bring that sword in with him. So, end quote. And really, that's fear. Mm -hmm. Because fear is at the heart of all of this. It's what made Darth Vader into Darth Vader. Yes. And it's what caused Luke to go into the cave and see himself because he's afraid of becoming his father, Darth Vader. Right. Well, and I was reading the book that we both have, the uh, Star Wars and Philosophy book. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the symbolism, like the Plato's theory of the cave and like the whole idea that the self most people are they lack self-knowledge and so like even luke going into the cave might not even have been fully consciously aware of those fears but the Mm -hmm. cave brings that consciousness to the surface and like though moments of enlightenment are often painful or really scary you can't step back from them once you've seen the truth your life is on a new trajectory so Mm -hmm. that's why this scene is really important because it even made him aware of fear I think fear that was there, obviously, on a subconscious level, maybe he was even aware of it on a certain level of being, like, afraid of being the thing you fear most or the thing you hate most. That's hard to face that. And at this point, he doesn't actually know that Darth Vader's his father. He's just afraid of, like, facing this, let's just call it as it is, this frightening, giant, you know, helmeted, Sith, you know, that's about what he knows about Darth Vader, right? Right. And he's going to have to face him to do all sorts of things. That's that's the basic knowledge. He doesn't even know that it's his father yet. So on maybe some subconscious level, the Force is connecting him to Mm -hmm. that. That's his father, but he's he's not as in tune with the Force or reading it or feeling it at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it was interesting in this book because they were saying that. He lacks self-knowledge, but also you could argue that his lack of self-knowledge comes from the fact that, one, he's lied to about his Mm -hmm. past, and two, Mm -hmm. the the formative adults in his life refused to even talk about the truth or tell him the truth. Not even that they were lying, they just wouldn't talk about it. So, of course, he lacks self-knowledge. And you can tell because in A New Hope, he has this burning desire to like go out and he yearns for something more, but Mm -hmm. doesn't understand why. And it's because he doesn't even know his own past or his own connections to his past. So it's that all comes up in the cave because like the symbolism of a cave is like some of my favorite stuff ever that exists in like literary symbolism. Like, uh, the hero's journey in the odyssey yes yeah cave scenes cave scenes are are used in film books anything yeah they're 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 pretty popular and they're they're used for the same reason that george lucas used it yeah i mean they're a huge vehicle in mm -hmm. mythology basically Mm -hmm. any kind of myth you read is gonna have a scene with a cave (laughs) yes yes and some self-discovery which the hero the hero must have on his journey well, you have to face your fear. That's yes. what makes a hero. So, but what makes Luke a completely different hero is how he faces his fear. Yes. So he goes into the cave with a weapon, but what he ends up doing in the very end is tossing that same weapon away yes. mm-hmm. and saying, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go with love." 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, and so that ends up being what turns Darth Vader back to the, the light side in the very yes. end is that his son loved him. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the the difference between the hero and a villain, they're very similar in almost every mm-hmm. aspect, but heroes can accept their fate and they don't need yes. to use force. They use it when it's necessary, but they don't use it as preemptive kind of thing. And villains... God, I love Luke. I do too. He's the, <laughs> he is the hero from the hero's journey. Yes. He, so like... If you don't mind, I want to talk about cave symbolism a bit, if you're Please. cool with that. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to hear about cave symbolism. There's a lot of it. There's some good good shit that really ties in with Star Wars in particular. So um, the cave is often related to the symbolic heart. So mm. the heart is a place where the physical and the spiritual meet. So, Makes sense. Yeah. So the cave is where you go in with your emotions and you're led by your feelings rather than logic or wisdom. And yes. So your emotions are what bring out the experience that you have in the symbolic cave. And this is not just Star Wars. This could be in any myth or right. literature or movie, anything. So like your emotions technically are the things that bring up the experience that you have, which is why when Luke went in with fear and weapons, he had to use mm-hmm. his weapons when he was there. He like created yes. that experience. Um, but it's also a passageway, right? So caves can be literal passageways to like you True. Know, the inferno or whatever, or they can be symbolic passageways where you gain enlightenment. And enlightenment mm-hmm. isn't always pleasant. It can be like a no. really upsetting experience, but you come away changed and that's what happens with luke in the cave he realizes he needs more training and if he keeps going forward ready to fight and ready to be led by anger or fear he will turn into the thing that he most despises yeah because darth vader is basically a cinematic symbol of fear I mean, mm-hmm. look at him, right? Yeah. yeah. His entire costume, his entire makeup, the fa- the fact that we can't see a single part of him, it's all covered in black. Yeah. You know, it's the embodiment of fear. So Luke is not only battling his mental fears, like his internal fears, but he's also battling a physical embodiment of fear. So mm-hmm. he, two layers here that he yes. has to deal with. And I don't think he quite knows it at the point that he's in the cave, but he's enlightened in that moment he's got to he realizes he's got to reevaluate some things yeah well and especially with vader being also a representation of a loss of humanity yes because he's more machine than man now and yes like to lose yourself physically but also possibly mentally and emotionally to be mm-hmm. less human and more machine yeah i know i'm sorry it makes me so sad <laughs> poor anakin <laughs> Poor Anakin. It wasn't his fault. He was brainwashed. I'm telling you, I hate Palpatine. Okay, Minnie ran over. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so speaking of, like, the rebirth or, like, the the idea of coming out of the cave change, like, caves are also a symbol of the maternal unconscious. Makes sense. So they're, like, a, a symbol for a womb, basically, mm-hmm. and you go into mm-hmm. them and you come out reborn. It's like a rebirth. So um, that's obviously happening in that scene right there. Yes. You, know, you go in. But they also say that if there are snakes or water represented in the cave, it also can represent the origin of life. So Wasn't there 
snakes and water snakes lizards and water okay. yeah definitely <laughs> it's like a, so even though it's kind of a scary place that can represent your fears to you it's also like the place of the origin you know the like rebirth and the beginning and this is where luke becomes this is so good yeah right like it's Stuff where he's so good he starts to become like a real jedi he's no longer moving outward from his old life into a new life he's moving mm-hmm. inward into the inward journey of changing like how he thinks and how he sees the world and that makes him a better jedi ultimately yes yes yeah i love it so much i love it it's it's <laughs> so good and Perfectly executed, and it doesn't take a long... The scene is not long. Uh, Lucas is able to execute what he needs to. In, you know, it doesn't... It's not this belabored scene where it Mm-mm. takes forever. I mean, yeah. it, he literally goes in, it happens, and he comes back out. And I want to raise the part, the question of... when Before he goes in, he says, what will I find in there, right? And Yoda says, whatever you bring with you. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to you beforehand, like, whatever you bring with you could be physical or mental. Mm-hmm. The emotional baggage that you carry or literally your physical weapon, which he does bring with him. Mm-hmm. But you and I have talked before about how Yoda thinks he's failed. Yeah. Luke has failed in the se- in the, in the cave because he brought a weapon. But a f- it's not, in my personal opinion, it's not a failure if you learn from it. And you change your behavior thereafter, right? Mm -hmm. It's just another lesson. So it's pivotal what Luke learns in there by, we'll say, quote unquote, making the mistake of bringing a weapon with him, you know, but he matures afterwards and realizes what the real weapons are, you know, which doesn't necessarily mean something physical. I completely agree with you. I feel like, first of all, if he hadn't failed quote-unquote he would never have been enlightened and so to say it was failure i've always thought that was stupid because the experience in and of itself has to unfold as fate allows right Mm -hmm. and so like if he had not brought his weapons in he would not have been aware of his inner fear yes so like you can't expect a person to just be fearless without the experience that makes them fearless like Mm -hmm. it's the chicken or the egg you know what comes first so, yeah, I've always said that there was no failure in the cave. It was a moment of, like, deep enlightenment, and without it, he would be on a different path. Yes. Yeah. Well, caves also represent superficial physical reality. So the experience you're having feels physical, but it's not, which is what happens with, like, Luke and Vader appearing. It feels real, but it's just... A projection of your own imagination or your own emotions right because he literally he did not chop off the head of darth vader as we know no but it felt so real to him that he took that swing he swung right and you know when it was like too easy of a win right it was like just a couple yeah. of parries oh, yeah, and then no, it cuts no. his head off and it's just like yeah it's not gonna be that easy in real life no it's not it's not gonna be that easy he doesn't he doesn't even know the half of it because no if he knew that was his father in the cave, he probably wouldn't have taken that swing. No, but I also wonder, and this is total projection, do you think Anakin or Vader felt it on the other end? Like, <gasps> Oh, that's a really good... I I say yes. I say Possibly, yes. Possibly, yeah. I say yes, because their, their connection... 
Darth Vader knew at that moment that Luke was his son. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think he felt it. Yes. That would be an awesome scene to see. But but (laughs) what would he have done with that? Would it have just been a rumble in the force? Or would he, would it have, because shit haunts Darth Vader. We know this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so would he have felt that and then been haunted by it and had to go sit in his like little chamber for a while? Probably. Although, probably. I don't know, from the interviews I've seen in like the commentary I've seen of Empire Strikes Back, George Lucas says at the end when Vader is offering Luke, like, join me, it's not because he cares about his son. It's because he wants to make overthrow. him turn. Yeah. So he can overthrow Palpatine. It has yeah. nothing to do with like familial bonds at all. So. Yeah. It's it's yeah. interesting that he's still That's a good point. He's still like in mi- manipulation mode, but that doesn't mean he's immune to being, you know, affected by other yeah, people's emotions. So I think it, it it's it's definitely a process cuz the conversation that Luke has with Vader in Return of the Jedi before they go into um the what is it? A palace room? Oh, the uh, throne palps, room. The mm-hmm. throne room, that's what I want to say. Um I I mean Luke Luke throws, like, three daggers at him. He uses Anakin Skywalker instead of Darth Vader, which really, mm-mm, that's a no-no. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still good in you, and that, you know, he's throwing that at him. Mm-hmm. And he's way different in demeanor than he was in Empire Strikes Back. He's yeah. way more mature. He's calm. There isn't visible fear in him. Mm-hmm. He has way more composure. And I think all three of those things, like, threw Vader, you know. yeah. Because he saw a person stand up to the emperor in a way that he couldn't even. Yeah, yeah. And he said, God damn it, that's my son. That's my, me and Padme's son, man. Look at him. <laughs> well, there's as much Luke Padme use, in that boy does he as use, Anakin. Um, does he say things to Vader that Padme said? Or was that was Padme already? I know she told Obi-Wan they're still good in him. But uh, I know that I feel like... Leia is always kind of like aligned with Anakin's yes passion, and like Luke is always yes. aligned with Padme's diplomacy and like introspection. But I mean, there's yeah. obviously overlap. There's a little of both oh, in definitely. each of them. Definitely. Um, I I think I don't know. I don't know if if Padme ever said it directly to him. I'm sure. But I mean, just looking at. Just looking at him, it would bring up, up enough. Oh, you know. yeah. You know. For sure. And then finding out that there was a sister. I mean, that probably would have just... Yeah. There were two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vader had like, a moment. Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the cave. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so I watched the scene a couple of times... Like, I rewatched it to get a sense of the cinematography of it. Just, yes. like, looking yes. for the, like, visual symbolism. And, like, leading up to the cave scene, that whole sequence with Yoda kind of talking to him where Yoda's on Luke's back. You see yes. Luke, anytime Luke asks a question, you're seeing the back of his head. He's trying to talk to Yoda, like, over his shoulder, turning back. It's like he's just crammed up against the left side of the frame and just, like, it's just an interesting position to put the character in. Just shows that he's like up against the wall, and every time he asks a question, he doesn't get an answer. And you're just seeing, True. like, instead of being open and forward and right to the camera, you're seeing the back of his head, and he's trying to like twist around. It it sets you up already to see the conflict that he's in. He's trying to learn, but 
his teacher is making it difficult to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just really well, interesting. It's it's one of the comparisons you can make of not looking back, look forward. Mm-hmm. That's you know you're headed forward. You have to move forward. Don't lean so much into the past, which is symbolically behind you. Right. And you could say that Yoda represents a large amount of the past of the Jedi Order itself. <laughs> Literally sitting on Literally. <laughs> and Luke is carrying the weight of the history of the Jedi on his back. I don't yeah. care if it's a puppet or not. Like, you know, yeah. they didn't have to do it that way, but they did. And I think there is definitely some purposeful symbolism in all of that. Yes, I absolutely. I always love that picture of <laughs> Mark Hamill on Daisy Ridley's back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> pointing. Yes. <laughs> Cuz apparently you have to carry your master on your shoulder. You have to. <laughs> yes. I would carry Mark Hamill anywhere on this planet on the back of my uh, on over my shoulder. Same. Like, piggyback. I would bridle carry him anywhere. <laughs> nah, there you go. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of the old Jedi, Mm -hmm. all of this kind of the symbolism of like when what Luke carries with him into the into the cave. I Mm -hmm. mentioned the emotional baggage, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. That actually goes back to your favorite quote from Mm Qui-Gon that your what is it? Uh, Your focus determines your reality. Mm -hmm. And so Luke's focus going into this cave was fear. Yes. And so fear is what became his reality inside the cave. Yes. And so we'll go all the way back to Qui-Gon and his wisdom. Yeah. And how that literal quote applies to everything. The scene, the movies, and and life as we know it. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. I love shit like this. I do too. <laughs> well, it's true because if you keep telling yourself you're afraid, you will always feel afraid. If you can tell That's yourself... It, yeah. That fear doesn't matter, that you're going to, it's going to be fine, you'll work it out, everything works out. Like, you find that just happens to you. At least you live in that state, right? Even if it's not true, it doesn't matter because your mind thinks it's true. Yes. And so, like, you see that manifest instantly with Luke in the cave because the cave is like, what is it called? A force nexus or something like that? They said, like, a dark Jedi died there and made, like, this dark well of energy. So, like... You literally well, manifest whatever you're thinking about right there in front of you. And the Jedi in Star Wars love a good temple, cave, uh, underground. <laughs> Who doesn't, girl? Right? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we see, I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be underground or within something, but they love having places of power. We mm-hmm. see that in The Mandalorian when little Grogu... It, it calls out to Luke. Yeah. You know, or and any the Jedi. Which, stone or whatever that thing yeah, is this, called. Yeah. So, and then we see in uh, uh, Rebels, the Loth, what is it? Oh, the Loth Wolves. Oh, no, the Cones. Well, and those, the Cones. The yeah, Cone yeah. Temple. Yeah. And well, the, all the spiritual symbolism between the wolves and the everything there. But like yeah. they have temples everywhere. They got, you know, and lest we forget <laughs> that the Jedi Order's main facility was built on an old Sith, what was it? Temple, burial ground, what the hell? It was a bad idea. (laughs) Hello. Could you do your research before you break ground? Like, (laughs) who thought that was a good idea? They're fired, officially fired. (laughs) 
Not even that you're a bad Jedi. You're just a a damn moron. <laughs> right. I mean, <sighs> I, I'm exhausted for them. But yeah, yeah. The cave. The cave. I love a good cave scene. Seriously, it's so fun. It's so cool that it's right at the middle mark. I literally did not know that. I know all this shit about this cave, but I didn't know that it was at the middle mark. That's cool. Yeah, it's where his journey is no longer the same after that. And like, yes, it's true. Um, I actually found the exact part of the hero's journey that it takes place in. This scene for the cave is in the part of the the hero's journey called the belly of the whale, which sounds appropriate. And it's like you go. Actually, let me read from the Joseph Campbell because I have a moment marked here. Let's see. We love us some Joseph Campbell. Well, I figured if we're going to talk about this scene, I looked at Edith Hamilton and Joseph Campbell, which is what George Lucas was reading when he wrote the Star Wars movie. So this popular motif gives emphasis to the lesson that the passage of the threshold is a form of self-annihilation. Yes. So you go in, you destroy what you used to be, even if it's on accident, and you come out totally different. Yes, you have to deconstruct in order to reconstruct even stronger. Yes, exactly. And it says, but here, instead of a passing outward beyond the confines of the visible world, the hero goes inward to be born again. Yes. That's exactly what happens in that scene. Absolutely. Now, it doesn't play out immediately afterwards. The growth... And the transformation still takes time. Right. But- because after well, after you exit the belly of the whale, that's when you go into the road of trials. And yes. usually the hero faces like three challenges that they have to overcome. and Which he does, yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's. Uh, it's I love it it's, so much. It's really good. <laughs> I, I, I love this shit. <laughs> Me too. It's. I could talk about it all day. I. I love Empire Strikes Back for many, many, many reasons. But I have always loved this scene because Luke, there's a there's a youthfulness to him leading up to this. The naivety mm-hmm. that an inexperienced, you know, not yet hero goes through. And then afterwards, they execute it so perfectly to show him more mature um, he still has to wring some of it out because he's really re- he comes out of that cave and he and he knows that his friends are in trouble or he senses or Yoda, you know, and right. he, he wants to rush right into it and he's still lingering into that like, you know, hasty, just ready to save his friends sort of thing. But then the growth mm-hmm. period happens. He ends up facing Vader. He finds out Vader's his father, and then bam, that 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 forces yeah. him full steam ahead into the hero that we get in. Return of the Jedi and everything afterwards. So, right, which you know is so beautifully portrayed by Mark Hamill. Yeah, the growth and the difference. He's like three different people he each is. movie. He's like, you still see Luke, but he looks different. He physically looks different. He he behaves differently. Mm-hmm. And I mean, George Lucas said part of that was just Mark maturing as an actor, but truly, like. He was a really good actor even when he was young, mm-hmm. like very young. So I think he had the depth and the like understanding of the human psychology, yes. you know, and like loves himself some mythology and like that too. And he, he, I always thought he approached the character with a certain amount of grace that's required for a character mm-hmm. that's written 
like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, you you gotta have that when you come to the final scene where he just throws his weapon and says, "I I won't fight," you know. Yeah. I think Mark gets it. He's always gotten it. That's why he's mm-hmm. our Luke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> through and through. Seriously, and I think that he tried to break that stereotype a little bit and like anytime you see him in a movie where he plays like a bad guy, mm-hmm. it's really hard to watch it, it but is. he's also super good at it. like he's the Joker yeah, for I God's sake. I know. I know and it's it's mind-boggling. <laughs> because yeah you know well and he says like he was played the full spectrum like the most pure hero and the most awful villain and he can do them both and i think as a person he's like a really kind person Mm -hmm. so he just but also he has a dark sense of humor which i fully appreciate 100 percent. yeah yeah and i think he doesn't take luke to a place that's saccharine or I don't think he's annoying. I know some people think Luke is whiny, but I don't. <laughs> well, I, I've i always, whenever, and I, I think of this in any movie, any TV show, any series, whatever, you have to separate the actor from the writing. Yeah. They're given what they're given, and they have to do what they can with what they're given. Okay? It's either right. a good script, a bad script, a good characterization, a bad characterization. I mean... The two are forever tied together, yes. Yeah. But, you know, if they're told to do... They're being directed to do something, and they're going right, to do it. exactly. So, I, I mean... That's really true. This came into play, and it was very noticeable, and those Game of Thrones fans out there will know what I'm talking about. When we, when we got to season eight... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going there. When we got to season eight, and the characters were, for lack of a better phrasing, we'll say they were just thrown away. All of them. The seven mm-hmm. seasons worth of character building tossed in the garbage. And there was starting to be some hate for the char- for the actors and actresses based on... But they were written into these positions. Yeah. And we have to give them credit for taking something that was very hard for them because they came out afterwards and said, that was the hardest thing I've had to do was right. allow my char- this character to do... Yeah. You know their identities are tied yes, together and, for for then on. Yeah. So I I always try and give the actors a little bit of leeway because they're being given you know mm-hmm. what they're given. Well, and they got to do it. That's Mark their job. Hamill, Mark talks about that in the Last Jedi. I know it. I didn't want to bring it up, but I know it. I know it, girl. Well, and I I'll, I'll ju- just not I'll just sashay away. No, from you that subject, but. <laughs> No, Shantae, you stay, girl. You stay and talk about this. <laughs> Any RuPaul fans out there? You know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, no, he said, he said he didn't quite agree with the direction of Luke's character in The Last Jedi, but he was given a job. He is that actor, and he did it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. That is some fucking talent, because you know what I'd have done? I'd have thrown the whole thing in the garbage and said, nope, rewrite that, or you're, you're not going to have me yeah. in your film. Well, and even though I do not like that movie, and having rewatched it recently, reaffirmed that yes. I do not like that yeah, movie. I don't, I don't like it His either. performance, his performance is beautiful. beautiful. Absolutely. His acting, yes. His, he has acting chops, like for realsies. He's fucking great, and I give him all the it's credit. It's moving. The end, of the, the end of that is moving. Yes. Yeah. His performance, yeah. And it hurts to think about. Yeah, it's painful. That's how good Mark is. Mark. 
we love you. How how we love we you. Do. Let us count the ways. <laughs> All right, everybody, you know what time it is now. It's your time. Tell us yes. your thoughts, your feelings. We want to know, are there any other scenes in Star Wars that you do not understand? Was there something that you just never understood why it was in there, or you didn't understand the symbolism, or, you know, anything like that? Hit us up. We're really curious, because it's really fun for us to delve into this kind of stuff. Yes. And not only that, but it might be something that I too, or you too, yeah. don't understand, and then we can research it and really dig into exactly. it and answer it on we here. We could do another episode. So tell us, uh, yeah, hop over to our social media, send us email, whatever you like. Tell us a scene in Star Wars that maybe you kind of never understood. And next week, oh my goodness, get your striped pants, your blasters, your... <laughs> amazing hair and your sassy attitude because we're talking about the top three favorite Han Solo moments between Lauren and I. That's our next episode. I can't wait. And I can't wait. Han is long overdue on this podcast. I I know. I know. And he deserves so much more than one episode, but we're we're, going to highlight our top three moments if we can narrow it down. I'm sure there'll be a lot of honorable mentions knowing us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, with us, there's always honorable mentions, but... Yeah, next week we're giving love to Han Solo. Last week we asked our wonderful listeners, would you wear the Jedi uniform, the Jedi robes that we talked about, or would you wear any other type of uniform that's featured in Star Wars? We got a few answers. One answer says, no, I would absolutely not wear Jedi robes. (laughs) Probably because of how we described all of them with the layers and layers and layers. Totally understandable. She also says, I am way too lacking in coordination for those sleeves. Amen, right? Uh, Another response says, I have always loved the Mandalorian armor design, which I think a lot of people would agree with as well. And finally, another response that we got, they love the fancy boots. They're just so stylish. And Obi-Wan really brings some fashion to the council. Yes, the boots, whether they are Chanel boots or not, are a feature of all of the Jedi in basically all the films and in the Clone Wars. So I think I would wear the boots. Yeah. I'll forego the sleeves, the droopy sleeves, because they're definitely going to get in the sauce if I reach across a dinner table. But I will go for the boots. Thanks for the response, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. Remember to follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Plus, you can always find us over at mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my space twin, may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>